<laughs> well, I've been on it. I've been on the Jubilee line, but I have yeah. to get I've used been to been on that underground anymore. system yeah. Yeah. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like David Lloyd George. Yeah. Thank you for supporting our channel. Thank you for supporting Wizan. Please like, subscribe, comment, and hit the notification bell for any future videos. Dave, thank you for coming back. And uh, Tom, thank you for turning up. And uh, we just thought we'd have an informal chat. We will cover something about the books. Um, and Dave, you you said you had met Tom before on yeah. the on the Children's Magical tour of Paris last September. So a lot I of drivers on that, so isn't there? It's it's a mad that's thing. That's why you don't remember me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> How many drivers was there? Was it? Well, there's 120 cabs, isn't there? So there's 120 drivers, but there's extras. I mean, like Lee herself, who we know well, Lee Dogs. Yeah. Uh, she was driving a back. I don't know if that's included in the 120. I don't think so. Because 120 cabs are drive families, isn't it? I think it was about 100 this year or somewhere like that. But <laughs> yeah. Last year, rather, but 120 cabs having fun on a Beano. I tell you, it's more fun than you think. It really is. Yeah. Well, like you get more back. People say to you, oh, it's so nice of you to give up your time. It's not. It's, th it's nice of them to include you. Yeah. Mm. It really like is. No, I'm it? getting yeah. a good benefit out of this. It's, it's a selfish and selfless yeah. exercise. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. You know, you do come back and you do think, God, when you, you know, I mean, and I laid in that next day on Monday till 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm never, I start at four <laughs> in the morning. I'm never in bed that time. I was so tired. It does drain you, yeah. But I didn't stop talking about it to the wife and kids. Yeah. Like, you know, how much fun I'd had, you know, and how much I got back. And I'm still in touch with the family now. Oh, wow. And yeah, you're that kind of guy. I still you meet them at the, and pick them up from Waterloo and London Bridge and I still take them to Great Ormond Street now. Wow. And I'm still in touch with Debbie, yeah. So she's, she's a lovely lady, the mum. And your family, Tom, no, they don't want to get back to you. Well, we, myself and another driver shared them because I think it was four of them in total. So rather than trying to cram four in a cab, I imagine you wouldn't want one person travelling backwards all the way to Disney. Yeah. That's probably pretty uncomfortable. So, yeah, then the guy who I shared with, Darren, uh, he sent me a message saying, hey, never guess what I bumped into in London. And, yeah, we're still... Ah, bloody hell. Yeah. It's nice. I've been out to uh, for lunch from Covent Garden as well. Well... Yeah. You paid, up bet. I know you. We, yeah, we have, me and Debbie's is a bit like us. She's, there's a fight for who's going to pay. Yeah, yeah. She's one of them, you know. But you she, win, don't you? Most of the time. Yeah, you, ain't not, you always win with me. I let her I win when it's win. only a coffee. <laughs> that way she doesn't feel so bad, but I'll try and get the, I'll try and get the lunches. Uh, how, <laughs> many, how many times have you done it then, Dave? Well, actually met them. No, the... Uh, oh, that was the first year last year. Right, yeah. This is the second year. They're going to be this there's, year. There's stories like this for the guys who've done it like de for decades. They've yeah. got so many stories of people that they've met, that they've gone on down like relationships with all, all sorts it's really crazy yeah that's the that's the, the thing that you don't realize isn't it how much they, they, they those why they did it for 10 or 20 or more years now you know you've done one yeah. you know why they did it because yeah. they get because you get so much back from it as well yeah and I, do they have no problem with demand for drivers to do it it used to be like a kind of a closed shop like they would people who would always do it would always get first dibs and then it was people who remembered the company the worshipful company of hackney carriage drivers yeah. And I think this or last year, because the first one since COVID, a lot of drivers who've sold up, not got cabs or whatever, was the first time they actually had to sort of ask out for people. Yeah. But now, yeah, it's now almost like a core group again, I guess. So mm. there's not too many extra people they've had to rope in to to come and do it. Well, you yeah. always get one or two apparently drop out for whatever reasons, didn't you? You know, there's so many p drivers. You'll get well, one yeah. or two for family reasons or whatever have to drop out. So, But there's standby ones. So. Yeah. And John Webster, Don the John is a standby. Stand yeah, yeah. Oh, you'd love to be on it, wouldn't you? Because John, I love a Beano. We've uh, we, we've already put him down to share with me and Johnny O. Because yeah, so he's not on his own. Yeah, poor John. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny O always comments on the videos, which is nice of him. Yeah. So it's nice to get the support. Uh, I like the comments on the videos. Do you, Tom? It gives you the little bit of like at least someone's watching and taking note. 
of something that you're doing. Yeah, because it does just feel like you're just putting it out into a vacuum and no mm. one really knows what's going on behind the scenes or what you're thinking. Because that was, that was something I wanted to speak to you about because I don't think people understand very often. It is actually a lot of work. Why have I got... I've seen about this on the way up here. I've, you can clearly hear I've got a cold. Yeah. I swear my body... I've been more ill the past couple of years since mm. I've started doing YouTube and... <coughs> he now tells us he's yeah, sitting yeah, in yeah. a closed, Shit. tight room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I think it's the body keeping score. It's just like you can't yeah. can't sustain it. I mean, I'm on a probably a similar cadence to what I was on the knowledge in terms yeah. of going out in a cab or editing a video. How many luxuries do you have? Because do you have people to edit your video or you're doing all the editing? So any sort of quite intensive technical stuff, I edit. So if there's anything like me driving the cab, because obviously that's quite... Yeah. sensitive data really. I don't want anyone to be editing that and also it's quite impossible to send that to an editor and say can you put this map shot of this particular street in, in St James's on the dash camera shot of me driving up St James's street and they're like what do you mean like so only yeah. I can really edit that but yeah a lot of the stuff I did like last year yeah there was a, a young lad who, who helped me out with the editing and um, you know so yeah I'm always sort of actively looking for people and editors to yeah. try and help out because did at the moment you back a lot I don't yeah but the way I see it, it's... It, it does buy it, you free time. It, it does, yeah, it does buy me free time. So I can then go out in the cab and work. Um, and the other thing is that, and I've kind of just had this thought recently, is I've kind of created a second full-time job for myself, which mm -hmm. isn't really what it should be. Like, I enjoy going out in the cab, and I'm definitely more drawn to doing that than making videos. So yeah. I want to make a find, find a way of making it a bit more sustainable yeah, rather than just, yeah, here's a second full-time job. Cause it's to get to where you have got... Um, I don't think people are going to, unless they've followed the same path, they can have no comprehension of what's gone in to get to this level. And ideally, there's got to be some sustainable income that the work gets less and then the income becomes a, some sort of steady thing. And I know yeah. by your views, that fantastic views, but there's still not a lot of money, is it? And I don't need to speak about money, but I know I heard from one of the guys I subscribe to who's massive. And he said it casually, it's about $1,500 a million views. It depends on what your niche is, though. If you're talking finance, the people who are into the finance are obviously got more expendable income. It might be someone near retirement age, pension age. So an advert to those eyeballs is more valuable mm. than, say, a gaming niche. Yeah. So some of the videos I've done, I've done one where I played a couple of like PlayStation games that had London in them. Yes, yes. And those ones, the, the CPM or cost per melee, which is like, per thousand views how much you get paid per thousand views were so insignificant you know they're talking like yeah like half a million sort of views and you're talking like 200 quid yeah. and that's over like a space of like two years yep. so it's hardly like a recurring you know good amount of income my yeah. niche might be quite good then because I mean I don't get much money at yeah. all but um, for the amount of views I do get monies I mean uh, some videos get 30 quids for my views are nominal yeah so uh, probably because of our age group that we're hitting we, we are the consumer. And it will all vary depending on just like one video to the next. It's not like they go, right, your channel is this. Each video will have its yeah. own demographic and you know the way the algorithm and everything works. It's fascinating stuff how it kind of works out who the audience is and how it yeah. tailors that to the right people because fundamentally YouTube and all these places, because it's got advertisements on it, they want it to get the most amount of views yeah. possible. I don't see this being... Um, th th there's very few people successful. This is not a way to earn a living if you're going to gamble on it. You've got to have some remarkable niche or topic that... Yeah, I don't know. I think some people do. Um, I mean, one of the sort of tidbits of advice I heard years ago and people who 
teach like the YouTube creator space because everyone yeah. wants to do YouTube and creation is that if you just make videos consistently for three years, your life will change in some way. Mm. Whether you improve your communication skills, whether yeah. you become better at editing, whether it does become uh, a paid career or whatever, like you will get some kind of result from it. So, yeah. did you ever watch the Gentleman Cabbie? Yes, yeah. Because I well ahead of his time, yeah. yeah. That was and I, th I can't believe how unsuccessful. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that discredit him because I think he's great, but the the views were low. I say they're low, seven thousands, eight thousands. Yeah. He might have had a big one that I've missed, but he's he's great. That's exactly what I would would be the more worthier content that, that I think yeah. people would be into. But I think he was just a little bit too early. I think the idea is perfect. Oh. It's just the time the, it was on YouTube a bit too soon. Yeah, and because he hasn't persisted, I think I think he's. He hasn't made a video for quite a long time. No. So, yeah, and again, maybe you need that persistence. Like you said, you had one that broke through. Yeah. And you need to try and get that. I think he was, yeah, he was just so early to the game. I mean, there's there's like people who've done successful podcasting before podcasting was a thing. Yeah. I look at the story of uh, American entertainer Tom Green. He had a, he invested so much money into, like, ridiculous podcast studios. Yeah. This is back in the primitive days of internet. Yeah, it would far ri rival like Joe Rogan or any of those podcasts, but he, um, yeah, wrong timing really. Yeah, well, I didn't understand what a podcast was. I just when they the concept came about. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, you got radio, you got telly. What the hell is a podcast? What what is this concept, and how's it going to work? And I'm slowly getting. It. And basically, we, we the general public is becoming the media. We are making our own radio stations, and we can all do anything now. Back in your day, Dave, it was a pirate well, radio you can station. Pick your subject, can't you? you can pick your subject now, can't you? Well, right niching right? down and people then, if people listen to it, that's a good indication that it, that it works. As oh. obviously you found with, with this podcast. I love it. I think uh, people don't realise for me uh, a thousand listens. Wow, a thousand people listened. I'm not into this idea because this is our niche market. As you know, is uh, there are not quite th six hundred people on the knowledge itself, and there are probably the percentage of cab drivers that listen to social media is not actually that great. The, yeah, I mean, I just bumped into a knowledge boy just outside here, and he was saying, "Yeah, listen to you know, the podcast." Yeah, I'm like, "That's that's awesome!" Like, that's <laughs> that's the full like you know future of the, yeah that's going to come this way. So. But you, this is not. Um, we have found our way of making money, which is great. Which is not through these. These are all lovely, and I enjoy doing them. But we've done the membership for our uh, the run videos and everything else, and mm. the animation and that kind of thing, and that is perfect because we've got our members channel. Except for I've now moved it off of YouTube onto our um, website mm. because YouTube, 40%. Oh, is it? 40% of the members. So oh. we eight ninety nine, and um, you get 100 members. You think you've nearly got £1,000 a month, but basically you've got about £400 a month. <laughs> so what's your percentage now then? Well, on that would be just uh, your eight ninety nine is just that income plus it gets taxed. So that's, that's it. it. It's a proper... Yeah. I'm not don't have to give anyone a cut. Oh. So I didn't realise I could do that on my website at first. I didn't know what the capacity of our website, but it's got it. It's got everything Wicked. there for it to do it. So that's a way of doing it. And because we are educational, you can have membership kind of niche. Because we're never gonna you're never gonna get something like this break through to a But this presumably obviously works as a nice marketing tool for that. It's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. What made you start, Tom? What was your first one and your first idea and your first thing? What was you know what, what came in in your mind thinking? Oh no, I'm going to do. Well, I've had a bit of a media production background, so I studied it at university, and you know I'd always rank up outside the U it was then the YouTube space by Evans at King's Cross, mm. and uh, it's part like Google headquarters and stuff now. And you just see all the videos there, and you think, yeah, I'd like to do something like that one day. 
But I would always watch, I still do. I mean, I've got YouTube Premium, I love it. It's that I don't watch traditional media or TV or Netflix or anything. And I was just like watching things like pilots and plumbers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, why has no one done this for the cab trade? I'm mm. like, and of course, when 2020 came around, it was like, right, I, can, I can't drive my cab. I've got no identity now. What, what what do I do with myself? So it was just sitting in the back of the cab, just filming. And then you stick one out there and then someone comments and says, oh, have you ever thought about doing a video about mm. this? And then that just leads into another one and then you just gradually adapt it and, and evolve it over time. So I don't know where it's going to go, what it's going to look like in the well, future. Well, I do. You're going to become the cab trades leading authority on cab trade. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens, Tom. Did you get anyone to look at your first ones? Like a member of family, friends or anything before you stuck it on or did you just bang it out there? Bang it out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I think people aren't used to sticking content out. They say, oh, what if, what if someone thinks something about it? Or oh, yeah, he can't yeah. be. Like, he can't be. He's just, someone's yeah. going to get value from it. And you can just justify that by the comments. You might get the odd one peppered in there, like odd mm. bad comment in there. But that just means you're sort of on the right path, really. And do you, I have one that troll, Tommy. He dislikes, <laughs> he dislikes every video. All right. And I get one dislike on all our videos. There'll be one dislike. And the thing I thought to myself was, He's actually watched every video. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. watched it. The haters are the best yeah. people because they physically go through the video, find the bit that annoys them. They mm -hmm. put a timestamp up and say, I don't like that bit there. Yeah. Then everyone <laughs> goes to that bit, re-watches that bit, so they engage with yeah. it. And then you get to comment back and say, actually, not quite right there, mate. And then no. you, give, like, you get the literature. Like I mean, I had one on my recent video saying, oh, it's nice to see a cab driver dropping off in a cycle lane. And like... <laughs> It's like, yeah, we can do that. Like, yeah. how else? Because the choice was either drop off in the road, but then, of course, passenger door opens, that could then swing into yeah. a cyclist, or you take up a bit of the cycle lane. It's probably a much, arguably a much safer thing to do. But I actually, uh, we talk about the abstract cab laws, of abstract of cab laws. Yeah. But that's the book and the actual cab laws. So you know we have two minutes on a double red. You know that we can't stop on a thick red bus stop. Yep. Red, no one can. But I don't know. I would imagine we've got two minutes on a cycle lane as well. Yeah, because they brought out, there was last year they said it's TFL basically have more powers over the road, like over what the Met, because obviously normally it would be the police that yeah. would manage these sorts of things. And it was a solid line, a solid cycle lane, was basically you're not allowed to drive in it. So whether that means you're allowed to drive in a dotted one, I don't know. But a solid lane, yeah, they said like no drivers allowed to sort of coast through there. And then it, there was an exception. It's. I've, Went back through to after this person commented on it. I went on the TFL website, tried finding all the excerpts yeah. and the passages, and there is a bit in there that says taxi drivers and private hire drivers are allowed to set down and pick up for you know a reasonable amount of time, of course. Okay, and it's cycle lanes because I mean I used to know that book pretty much off by art for the for the laws. Yeah, but cycle lanes pretty much didn't exist back then to the extent they exist now. So yes, I would imagine we've got two minutes for most of these. I things. think it's longer than two minutes. It might be written in law, but there was a court case with it. Just last year or the year before? And the guy said, and his, his uh, credit card machine wouldn't go through. Yeah. And he took, I can't remember exactly, it was like 10 minutes. And the camera got in for that time. He went to court over it. And the judge says, no, you're expected, reasonably expected to be able to get paid. Yeah. And it's not reasonable to go driving around the streets looking for somewhere to. Right. Some of the literature off. actually says, like, it's really weird, weirdly worded, but it's like they can stop for a reasonable amount of time. Right. Mm. I can say 26 years ago, the book I would have read from that time, I'm sure it had a two minute. Yeah, market. but that's, that was was there the same? No, I mean there wasn't the same situation now, and obviously it wouldn't take that long to hand over cash, would it? You know, it's just yeah, straight yeah it, it was in and out. And uh, I remember I did get done in Bethnal Green Road. Uh, I stopped and I dropped my I was dropping my wife off. She was going into the gym, 
And uh, she'd went into the gym and done something and came back. And they'd done me on the bus lane, stopping in the bus lane. So that was £60 fine because I was there for about five minutes. So I don't appeal them. Yeah, I, I would. I'm going to appeal one from yesterday. It's a £5 drop-off from Heathrow because Heathrow told me when I took the passenger up to meet the ambulance that there would be no charge. Yet Heathrow charged me to take a passenger to meet the paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the pictures I showed you, you can, you've got, you can have them. But yeah, yeah they, I was I was actually in the car park. I will show you pictures on the podcast that you've yeah, seen. A young girl, Canadian student, was unwell. She got gradually up. More, she looked really ill in the end. But as we were going through the tunnel, the Spur Road, she's become really, really unwell and being ill in the back of the cab. And I just went, look, I can't just drop you at the drop off and let you go. You could go to the sorts. Anything could happen here. I'm going to take you into the car park and I'm going to get help or whatever. And we're going to, because so, I don't think you're going to be flying. Yeah. yeah, and uh, a long story short, eventually the paramedics turn up, but they want to go in this big ambulance, which they can't get into the car park, and they said, well, can you drive out the car park with the paramedics in the back and take her up to the drop-off? We've put your registration up, you're not going to be charged, and then uh, during the night, ping, five pound to drop off a patient to an ambulance. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Heathrow. Yeah. They do that great. when you leave the rank sometimes. I've had that like on Terminal 3. Like You'd be in the feeder park, you'd get sent to Terminal 3, and then you go through a special road that you have to go through as yeah. a taxi, and then yeah, paying five pounds, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm picking up a passenger. Like oh. I've already paid to go through the feeder park, but yeah, the economy of the world is changing. It's easy for them to take it, but yeah, it's impossible then to mm. get it back. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ring up. Yeah, you'll I'll get it back, Dave. You'll get no, it I'm gonna ask for it. I'm gonna ask for it. If not, I'll. But it's the agro factor. So you're doing it principal yeah. factor because yeah, factor not fibre. I saw the fibre, but it's just uh, you can't do that, can you? The thing is, they'll do it again in the future. They don't care. No, it's, it's obviously sad because the guy came, he said to me, registration, I, he's in front of me, called it over. Mm. So it's called over, you won't be charged anything. So yeah. we're, we're on to economics now because basically I, I spoke to you and I said my, my licence renewed this year again mm. and um, I'm 56, you have to have a medical at 56, um, a medical at 50 and then every year after 60 or something. 60, 65, yeah. So I phoned up the doctor and the doctor says, that's great, come in and uh, £100 cash. So that even doctors are working for cash, <laughs> which doc- is quite interesting. My doctor's cash always has been, even when I was yeah. HGV and I had, and private hire. I was private hire. You know, it's, it's always cash. Well, it's, it's hey, kind of yeah. seems a little outrageous that even the doctors want a little bit of cash to sort of avoid the uh, tax parts of it. It's a bit of a sign of the times. Mm. Then I phone up. Oh, he says you have to go to opticians as well before you come. Go to opticians. The optician says uh, yes, yeah, twenty five quid. But for this, it's twenty five quid for your eye test. And 25 quid cash for me to fill in the form. No way. I've <laughs> never been charged for the fill in the form. It's charged me 25 to fill in the was form. This a, was this a one-off chi- one off Specsavers. No, oh, spec- sorry, Keys. Specsavers never normally charged for that. It must no have just started. No way. Then. Yeah, literally. She said to me today, I, I said, I want eye test. Can you get it as quick as possible? Because I'm on a short time schedule. And she said, tomorrow, 145. And then I got the format. She said, oh, it's that one. Okay, 25 pound the test, 25 pound cash for him to stamp the sign of forms. <laughs> Well, uh, when I went for in 2020 for the renew, uh, get the license, and I went for the medical, and uh, because of COVID, I wasn't allowed in the doctors. Mm. And yeah, it's, an, it's an old converted house, and she pulled up the sash window, and out come the, it looked like she'd been in a full operation and a heart yeah. surgery. <laughs> out come these two plastic hands and took my blood pressure and asked all the questions and filled the form in through the window. I never mm. even went into the doctors. Dave, did she have the wow. sash the down whole, past yeah, her the face I, and her arms come the, under like a yes, a whole, whole full regalia, <laughs> head to toe. 
Hanging out the window. Yeah, <laughs> what's that surgery. movie? I can't remember the name of it. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like that. Outbreak. Yeah. I think Talk about frightening your death as to yeah. <laughs> as to what you may have. Well, there's a lot of stuff coming out at the moment. I was never on the conspiracy side of the COVID, but there's a lot of stuff coming out at the moment that's kind of saying it, it confirming that it was an exaggeration. That the sickness from the uh, from the vaccine was greater than the risk the sickness from the virus. Mm. Yeah, the only only one story I can say that I know for sure because it's always conspiracy is a is a friend's uncle that um, died, and on the death certificate the hospital wrote uh, COVID, and uh, my friend said, "Well, he's never ever been tested for COVID. How mm-hmm. can you write that?" Well, if you'd like to, we'll have to do a, a, an autopsy and all like you know, loads of in yeah. the family as a family we didn't want to go through it, but he mm-hmm. was never tested, and there's no way that he can know that they had COVID if he wasn't tested for it. Well, it could have had symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he could have added lots of other things. Yeah, I think I, re- I reckon the numbers was the numbers weren't they ain't right. No, we're getting into ginger cabby territory now. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. I know. I went to see him, didn't I? Was he good? He was very good. Yeah, don't sit in the first rows. Why is, he, is that the oh. people he picks on? Yes, I was in row Z, hiding behind the bush. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah. Yeah, no, yeah, he absolutely rips them shreds. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so much so, a couple of them even went to, took it on, took the guy onto stage to ridicule him what he was wearing. No way! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's ripped a new yeah. backside. I ain't going. Then I told him to pick on me if <laughs> I come. I ain't going. Then. No, you're fine if you if you're back more than sort of three or four rows because of the bright lights. He can't see, and he's, uh. he's trying to see, and I could see he had no idea. Part one guy two rows in front who had glasses like me, and then was shouting out, and I went no. Don't <laughs> who's that with the glasses? <laughs> I was ducking behind him. Uh, yeah. oh but he's very I mean he's very good. And that, that to be fair, there was four others, including Leo, so very good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good Well uh, I think we kicked off his career t- on that yeah. podcast. <laughs> 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 he's a nice guy as well. There was a lot said in that podcast that was really difficult. The, the, um, the podcast seemed to get harder and harder to edit. When I first started listening to that, because I was only just listening to it in the cab, I, I didn't realise that the, the Tourette's. Yeah, the, yeah, I thought it was. It sounded like Tourette's. It's like, what is, what's going on? Is there someone else in the studio? No, it was obviously you just bleeping in. But and yeah. the funny thing is, only Dave, Dave got the joke, didn't you, straight away? It was Tourette's. But other people complained about it. Oh, I don't like it. My nephew said, what's that bad noise? I didn't want to do the beep because it was too... I got it in the end. Like, I was like, oh, that's yeah. why. And then yeah. you sort of made a thing of it. But in yeah. hindsight, yeah. I think I should have just switched off the ads and whatever and just gone for the out and out swearing. Or just had a little disclaimer at the beginning and say... There's bad you advise language. there might be bad language. Yeah. Don't I, play I as the podcast. Next time I'll kids. have Aaron on, I'll, I won't bother. Because it's hard work as well. Because he swears go. every three sentences. Yeah. 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 Non-stop. It's but incredible. It, it Lots great. of people were saying to, to, to me, was that you making those noises? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't making any noises. <laughs> All I did is, because I'm very, very lazy, is I quickly Googled free sounds for like uh, sound effects. And I usually play one or two and I say, that's it. And I heard something where it went, ah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I thought okay, and no matter where I put it and cut the little, it just standing <laughs> fine. And I thought that's it. Just stick that there. It covers it up. It doesn't uh, hurt your ears. Um, but yeah, it, I had to use it so many times. You should have just cut it in with one of your like books, like the audio callover of a street name. Well, that so every time it would just be a different street. People left Green Lanes. Uh, green, lanes. Gardens, <laughs> green Lanes. <laughs> it might have worked actually. Yeah, yeah. With, with the future of AI, what you'll be able to do is let it play. And tell AI to insert a word in the voice of the person who's speaking. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, that's so. Like, I downloaded one the other day that had um, it was a voice narrator thing for reading text on your computer. Yeah. The voice of Snoop Dogg. 
just reading stuff out and it's just it's oh, perfectly brilliant. like Snoop Dogg and I was like this is awesome yeah dear. Well, but yeah I you can you can train it the models you just upload it if you've got enough of a data set you yeah. know presumably from these podcasts over the years you'll have a big back, back catalogue and then you'll be able to go mm. yeah you've got your own personalised talk, in your talking of data set because Aaron had one really interesting point for the I, I have not been threatened by the apps for cabs at all but Aaron really he came up with one point that was brilliant Everything else other than that he said was rubbish, but uh, just one point was brilliant. Um, that these data, the app companies that have got black cabs on them, they're collecting our journeys mm. and they're collecting the routes that we use, yep. and they're going to analyze that data, which is unique. Uh, well, even having just Google Maps or Waze on in the background, you're not actually plugging in any data, mm-hmm. so you didn't need to know like a starter endpoint. Oh. That's going to be pregnant. your phone, does it anyway. So your phone, your phone, your phone will have all that data in there. But as do well. they know you're a cab driver? So is that might be the elimination of. So what they specifically no, know is but they can, cabs. but they can see like the efficiency of that moving around, and obviously they can. If you again, like if you've got, I don't know, say hundred thousand data sets of people, because yep. it's not a, across London, because yeah, whatever. They could like go well. Look, there's like. One uh, percent of this hundred thousand are actually moving around London in a really good way. Yeah, and so they don't have to know that you're a cab driver, True. but they'll just extract that from that. And they do it in all sorts. They can do it on like London Underground. They can work out how people are inefficient at using the underground. Mm. So they think I'm taking the fastest route, but they're changing at one station that's not correct. Yeah. And so yeah, you just you could just extract that from that data. You don't have to know the profession. They'll get mm. the benefits from that. True. True. It's still mm. an interesting subject that they're going to do in the future. So our all our journeys will be. Uh, and analyzed and that's what a lot of people believe is the kind of future or the people that will hold the keys or the greatest kind of wealth it will just be data big data yeah um, but don't you think we might bust and the phone we will have an well, the data will be off that we will disconnect ourselves from the data side of it that no one's collecting us and following us and whatever we'll be using the camera to take pictures and the phone call to take phone calls but whatever is related to our gps aspect and find my phone aspect we just want to be off the grid. So there's going to be a way of coming off grid. Yeah, I, 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 this is on a separate point. I'm just sort of moving on from that. But like it's when people say, oh, sat-nav's always going to be better than, you know, cabbie knowledge. But there's way too many variables inside of London that a sat-nav mm-hmm. cannot account for. Yeah, mm-hmm. A light turning red, uh, a bin lorry, a uh, plod shutting yep. the street or whatever. Um, but I haven't seen a sat-nav better in London at all. No, but this is what I mean. It has to be plugged into so many individual yeah. things. It, you need data from everything. Because obviously Waze can, or these any of these sat-navs can only get an aggregate from what's on the street. It's got to put people in traffic to know there's traffic there. Mm-hmm. How else can it quantify as traffic if there's no one in it? Yeah. So it, it, it will come, I think, at some point in the same way that, I mean, I don't know if you know, but like the CMT meters, they have something in there called business intel know about this no no not at all so it links to um i don't know if it's inside the meter but or if it's actually the little pd the little tablet that links to it mm-hmm. and obviously whenever someone presses the start button on the meter they collect the data of where that button was started mm-hmm. and then it will then tell you it's got all the ranks or areas of town where stuff is quote busier because it can see how many meters were initiated at yeah. certain points in town oh, okay so the way it's all going mm-hmm well, it's still not mm. used to taxman. Still ain't come in and jumped on that feature. No, yet. but I think some people are really quite Scared don't like the CMT system because of that. Yeah. Well, I remember the years ago. All the card payments do it. They 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 t- trace like if you use any of these devices, where they all trace exactly where you are when you take that payment. Mm. So that's almost a record of every journey you've had and where you've are been. They, are they tracing you all the time? How about if you're working 
what, cash or you're working on apps. You're not using the card. Well, that app, will, as we said, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it. The phone will be following you, wouldn't it? But yeah, in theory, yeah, are they following? Are they still following you? Are they still following you? The like the, the credit card machine, even though you didn't use a credit card well, machine what? all day, you may have used. Say, uh, uh, what Tom just said, the once yeah. you've done tap the meter, the CMT's collected the data for the meter, so the so meter started, yeah. whether it's really? cash or not. So that means that meter fare is probably recorded as well somewhere in data. Yeah. Are they the only ones doing it? I don't know, but I mean, in theory, the, the, the data is there, isn't it? I yeah. mean, but I mean, if it's only as simple as someone pressing start on the meter, you, you could just get a load of cabbies just to sit and start their meters in yeah, various yeah. parts of town. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered this with Waze. If the other mob are using Waze, why don't we all... And you can upload your own data or say, ah, oh, there's a traffic jam there. Why don't we all just go on there and just go, oh, that road's closed, that road's closed, that, and then yeah. the other mob are then... That's the future. How do we drive? Yeah. <laughs> the future of protest. Yeah. 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 Got to be much yeah, more cleverer. They would run out, wouldn't they? Yeah. Where would they go? I remember the old meters, they got the, the old Sheriff Star, I think the meter was called. And people got really scared that you it had some functions in there that you could press on the memory and you could see what you took that day, you could see what you took that week, and it totaled it up and right. stuff. But what they weren't realizing, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it was just in a <laughs> it's little, just internal like a little card, cal yeah. calculator. Yeah, so you could take that meter off and do something with it. But And even if they did, the kind of it didn't relate to you in any way. So it was a little bit. They were more scared about that coming in. Because I don't go back as far as the meter where you put the flag down, which is what no, the, the flag away. pool comes from. Yeah. You did. <laughs> <laughs> on the thread of like technology apps and stuff like this, I think this is something we wanted to touch on conversation-wise, mm -hmm. Dean. Can we go a little bit more into like Wizan and stuff like that? Ah, Wizan. You, you touched on it a bit with, um, obviously, in the uh, Crazy Ginger Cabby podcast, like how the, the mapping, like, came to you. I thought oh, that was yeah. incredible, that, yeah. I forgot to mention someone on that as well, and I got really upset because it was Stephen Archer when we first started. Stephen Archer was... Um, I, I'd finished the knowledge, and Microsoft made uh, Map Vision. It was This is the first thing before Microsoft made their big mapping program. I can't remember what they called their mapping program. Um, yeah, so Map Vision came out, and Stephen had already started going around on his knowledge. It was perfect for collecting your points. Right. You could, it, it was the fact of how easy it worked. So you'd pin your point and put your name and details underneath it. And it was quick and reliable. It didn't take time to tap it and pin it. Um, and it kept it. And literally... And what was it? Is it offline or an online-based thing? CD. Or? On a right, CD, okay. on, a micro, on a computer, on a PC. So he could only have that presumably on his PC. This was back before the days of being yes. able to transfer that information and off. And that data, I could I could sell that data. I, yeah. I could transfer that data onto every map. Oh, vision. you could transfer yeah. it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and literally, you'd start it up, you get a complete map of London, and it just go completely full-on red because the pins, red pins had appeared. Yeah. And you could colour-code the pins and everything. But you zoom in, and suddenly you'd see the street, and every single point was pinned. So for us, this was Google Street. What, what kind of year was this? Oh, 1996. Right, wow. 1996 to 7, yeah. Um, and it was... Because the equivalent, I mean, at the time would have just been... I mean, you wouldn't have been able to do anything else at the time. It I didn't have, have it. So on my knowledge, I didn't have that luxury. But like if you was to come up with a, a, a non-technical version of this, because you couldn't physically put that many pins no, on a map, for instance. I did have a non-technical version. Right. I had a book. Um, I can't remember what I called it. Um, but it was hand-drawn. I was fairly good with Illustrator. So I drew all the maps. I drew Greek Street, Thrift Street, Soho, all of Soho Square. And these are one of my pet hates because you know Soho on the knowledge really well. No one who doesn't know Soho really well is not doing the knowledge. So going back there to point the new bar 
that's opened up on Greek Street was a bit annoying. Yeah. So uh, kind of if you could see that you could phone them up from the phone book and say, are you the so-and-so that used to be so-and-so? And they say, yeah, you could change it without making a visit. But being able to look at the map because you've mapped everything as well because they've asked something in Greek Street, but they haven't asked the place next door, but you mapped it. You just mapped everything, wasn't it? Uh, so I did that, and I did it for 70 areas covering maybe five or six. Well, if you imagine the Soho map was two pages of an A4 book just covering Soho, and it had every single point on it, including the little bits of Shaftesbury Avenue. And that was it, and it was a massive seller. And there was a school called uh, KPM. I don't know if you remember KPMs. They were in Valence Road, yep. their little school. Yep. Uh, and it was run by Mom Sadlia, who became an examiner. And I got told by somebody, you know, Dean, they sell your book at KPMs. I said, you're joking. Says, so I went to KPMs and I bought my own book for five pounds. <laughs> and as I bought it, I said, can I have a receipt? And she said, no, we don't do receipts. I said, I'm sorry, you don't do receipts. I, I, I need a receipt. And I insisted. And then, Mum Sadler was in the office. The, the woman said to her, can we do a receipt? She went through and they, they wrote a receipt and came back and I said, thank you. And I'd been told, this is real, where driving a cab is brilliant, I picked up a guy in New Oxford Street and he was only going to Oxford Circus. And he said, how's your day? I said, well, you know, not thing. He says, do you do anything else? I said, well, I write books for to help people with the knowledge. He said, ah, oh. but I've got this woman who's uh, this school that's photocopy. He said, I'm international, uh, sorry, I am a... Oh, dear. Intellectual property rights lawyer. Right. Uh, my office is at Oxford Circus. Here's my card. Come in and see me. Dean. Even calling me Dean. It was the friendliest bloke ever. He said, come in and see me, Dean. Honestly, it'll take me five minutes. Uh, it'll cost you about 60 quid. Don't panic. All right? Just come in. So I thought, fine. I went in. He wrote a letter to KPMs, to the bosses at KPMs. They, they really got scared. They sent me, they had to send me a thousand and... 200 I think it was check compensation to prevent any further dealings with it and there's loss of whatever um, and she got in big trouble because she's just working for KPMs and KPMs is the taxi garage and the bosses at KPMs have now received this legal letter that she's Aye. selling books under thingy so it was good really that she was part of a big company if she was just a little Joe Bloggs it might not have come to anything at all and then about three months later, she got a job as an examiner. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, oh God, oh God. And I was as friendly as possible always with Jan. So she was fairly friendly with it, but um, it was a thing to come about, wasn't it? That they were doing that. But that was always one of the problems. And this is, again, why we started. Because at the beginning of this, when I started, uh, Knowledge Point and Knowledge College and KPMs were the three big schools. And Knowledge College were kind of probably the biggest because they had the shop right outside. Now, Knowledge Point also had a shop later on. Where was Knowledge College based? They had in Clements Road in South East London. Right. So they had their little school there. And they were actually a nice, friendly school. I liked them. They were really good. But when you bought the runs, they were £40 for 400 There was 400 runs at that stage. Um, which means they're not much more expensive now. This is 30 years ago nearly. Uh, and they would print them on pink paper to try to prevent it being photocopied. And some, for some reason, pink paper doesn't go through the photocopy machine and come out <laughs> properly. Yeah, I don't know mm -hmm. if it still works like that when technology's moved on, but um, I think that was the idea. And they would also print in bulk. This is the thing that I noticed that was a flaw. You, you print in bulk, that means, let's say you print 10,000 copies, you've got to sell 10,000 copies before anyone gets an update. 
And my wife at the time, she was doing her latest degree. My wife ended up with three different degrees and three different subjects by the end of her studying career. And it always amazes me because I want to do that feminist thing with Aaron because there's these women, they, they get more educated than we are. They do all these, all these fun things and go and have their makeup and nails done and have all these nice times. And at the end of the day, it's us to earn the money and pay for the bills and everything else. And we're the ones leaving school when we're 15 to get a job. So that kind of happened. I'm going to love you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my chain of thought now. What was it? So... The, oh, the wife had the bulk, yeah. Yes, but when she was doing a thesis, and you'll probably know about this, but again, technology's moved on, so when you yep. was at university, it would have been slightly different. But she came home with a book that she's made for her end-of-year thesis that's going to be her dissertation or whatever. Yeah, so it has to like, be bound. That's the, the requirements of submitting, yeah. Yeah, and I looked at it and I thought, what, you, you, what you've done there can be done. I didn't even know it could be done. Yeah. I mean, this is 30 years ago, so it would have been really developing at that stage mm. i mean imagine now we could probably get this done uh, in a finished product quite quickly as you say with amazon doing print on demand i suppose you have the contacts to know yeah like this becomes more commonplace people know how it all works yeah. but i suppose back then it would have been something you know like an academic resource like you say but only a few people in those niches would understand yes the process of making it. it yeah i mean uh, i looked at it and i thought I'll, I'll do that for the knowledge for a start and we did uh small print runs 10 so that by the 11th, I'd edited it. And by the 20th, I've edited it. And the edits are literally on the knowledge that fast. So week to week and during COVID. And it's the value in the books. Yes. Uh, the value in the, in the resources, yeah. yeah. And also is, is the power of being able to resell because you can't really have last year's book. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why that's you'd rebuy a book. It was like, cause I can't bother to go and figure it all out for myself. Yep. I'd, on it from well, yeah. she she taught me a great deal as well about the false economy of trying to do it yourself. So trying to write the runs yourself is a fantastic educational process, but probably a false economy because of the effort you would need to put in with your lack of knowledge about what would work, the options that you needed to look at on the map to see what you could do and think about doing, then go out and drive it and find out that didn't work. And then realise that I can't really work out a better route while I'm here. I need to be home on the map to sort of look at details. So, you know, getting the runs done, going out, and even then you might find one or two are already changing. Quite literally, I don't think anyone can finish 320 runs at the moment without it needing an edit before they even finish all 320. Yeah, it's probably three runs before <laughs> it needs changing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is astronomical. The LTNs nearly killed me. I really wanted to give up. How did you manage all that? Because how do you keep up to date with it? I like took no notice for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on as normal. Just drive yeah. through them. Just take no notice. Yeah, but you've got students here. Haven't you? Students you, Dave. Are, yeah. You, you, yeah. you was immense, uh, massive help, really. Because you need... You need sweating students. in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've done, you done immense amount of work on that for me and kept it going. And the thing was, it's so inundated. If you've got 100 changes, I've got four different formats to, to update. There's mm. the app, there's the paper, and you've got to try and think, trying to hold it all in my mind. There's the audio. So if it's out of date on audio and, and out of date on paper and it's out of date on video and it's out of date, I think, God almighty, just one change alone is hours work because yeah. you've got to remake stuff. Mm. But I'm getting uh, quicker. The videos now is quick to edit. I made a good system for that, so I'm not too bad. If a run changes, I've got the whole video. I can cut it, just cut the one run in. Not so bad. Uh, the hardest thing always with videos was the audio. 
if you have to re-record your audio, that's mucking about. But now we had our secret weapon, does the audio, which is perfect and much clearer and than us. How secret so is it? Do we know? Well, it's not no big secret. I just don't want to give away anything. I'll do anything anymore. <laughs> Um, where's this come from Tom you said to me is that, have I answered the question or have I gone off on a yeah, tangent yeah no I just wanted to know a lot more about Wizant because it was it just seemed well, when I'd done the knowledge I was all over the place I didn't have any cab driver friends mm. I knew I didn't know anyone who'd done the knowledge so it was just kind of more just googling hitting and hoping basically yeah. and just cobbling together something so I had a bit of everything like I had the Wizant apps but then I had to way too much time by putting my own runs in there and I'm like because I was too tight to get a subscription yeah. or whatever so um, because even that in itself like the, the app I mean I, I wish I had that words on the knowledge because just how uh, efficient it is how streamlined it is if there's an update like as you mentioned it just all comes yeah. out to there and it comes through but where did the impetus for that come from to put the well, to make an app because that was a ahead of its time as well, right? Yes, everything. Mm. Is, I, I I, don't stop thinking sometimes. I don't know if you know, I don't sleep very much, do I, Dave? Right. <laughs> no. All hours of the day. Not I drive my wife crazy. I literally, um, I like to be creative. So this is, this is my form of me being artistic in some sense. So there was a lot of things when I started that I wanted to do that the technology couldn't do. And I've always been waiting for it to do that. And recently with AI, some things have happened that have enabled me to do some of the things I always mm. wanted to do. Um, but the thing about going to visit points, if we had Google Street, I know people, we've done the one recently about people Googling too much, but Google is perfect for you to use as a memory recap. Mm. Um, I wouldn't suggest people use it as a memory developer from stage one. I, I always find remembering something, and one of the things we teach, remembering something is easier if you have a relationship with it that's well if you, fi- you have to physically forge the connection in the brain yes so if you, you always rely upon the fact of oh i can recap it later you will never properly make the memory it's the same as doing the shopping list if you write a shopping list you won't remember it you've been watching my videos yeah but this these are all fairly common sense um things i mean i get involved with so many people that are doing administrative stuff i put it you're sitting there writing down your points um, it's time consuming. You're sitting there writing down the detail of all those points. It's time consuming. And em- whenever we get in that mode, we go into robotic mode of let's just get this writing done and I can do it while I'm not even thinking. Like when we're reading a book and not really reading it, mm. we're not taking it. And yet the the absolute, <laughs> anybody who does memory competitions doesn't use a pen and paper, no. doesn't use a pencil. They, they are literally trying to work solely in the mind so that you're creating memories. And with all yeah. these endeavours, it's usually th- what is the minimum amount of work I can put in mm-hmm. to elicit the most amount of results. Yes. And obviously anything else that is beyond that, such as writing down and stuff like that, is just adding more time to that. Yeah. yeah, just what is the bare basics I can do? Whether it's going to the gym, like, you know, there's a certain sweet spot that, you know, after 40 minutes, you're probably only going to get 5% more get off, yeah. Yeah, a couple of percent more gains, but yeah. Mm. Well, this is the um, battle we've been on with people for years on the knowledge that um, we're always doing uh, far more rubbish, non-essential stuff. I kind of used to use metaphors like um, you want to be a snooker player, reading books about snooker is not going to help you a great deal. That's The game is snooker, play the game, and you will learn better. So I, I see a lot of people in the knowledge doing things that are over there, and I've tried to make it down to the core three things. Y- you call your blue book runs because it's your vocabulary, your grammar, 
Um, it's a working turning that you know works, so it's a foundation that you can work from. You do your point-to-point because it's a question that's being asked and then you're now stimulating the brain. So in a math sense, you've learnt your times table and now you're just experimenting with math equations. Um, And you have to have a points repertoire, so go out and visit places and start to remember them. Uh, But what they don't seem to understand, when they go out and visit 10 places, the odds of you being asked these 10 is low. You need a bigger spectrum. But they've gone out and pointed these 10 places and they've collected 10 pieces of data for each place. So now they have 100 pieces of data for 10 places that they're probably not going to get asked. They don't seem to have worked out to play the statistics. that If they'd have pointed 1,500 places and not had a great deal of data to go with them, probably in that 1,500 is some of the places they'll get asked. And then build upon the data because... You need to build upon the data based on what would be statistically the most likely data needed. So you wrote down turnarounds for these 10 points, yet only one of them ever needed it. Why did you take the nine other pieces of information for stuff that would never need it? And it's this kind of um, thing that's been going on for years. People, The people that need us the most. So if you're good, if you're intelligent and talented, You might not need a school, you might need some really basic ideas, and you will just get on with the actual hardcore of it. I think when you came to it, Tom, you and you say you didn't know anyone, you've gone into it and and looked, and I've seen it a few times with a few academics. The guy, Storm Cab, he's very academic as well. I think I I don't know what he was at university for, but he had so many questions when he was doing the knowledge, and I could see it. He's looking and trying all sorts of things, and he didn't quite believe what I was saying, which is fine, but he was literally putting his fingers in to find out what it is, which is going to cost you some time. But the basics are really simple. The basics of the knowledge are really simple. And when people start off, you need to learn run number one. Yeah, but how do I do the points? Can you call Manor Station at Gibson Square? No, but I want to know how to do the points. Don't worry about anything else. It's kind of a bit like, I'm looking at this stack of books here, which yeah. I know we're probably going to get onto a bit, but it's a bit like, you know, I want to write a book. How do I go about binding it? You, yeah. you don't you don't don't worry about that yet. And you get people. I didn't even look at how much a cab cost rental wise when I was on the knowledge. That information is redundant because yeah. first and foremost is the studying, or in the analogy of the book, first and foremost is getting the words on the paper. Mm. Then you deal with the other stuff later because you're going to have to once you finish it. You know that's Zen, don't you? What's that? That's Zen. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's a Zen, pro- it's Zen, Zen principle. Oh. Um, I don't know. Have you read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No, I just took that to the charity shop recently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, am I going to read it? Ah, oh, the text is a little bit too no. small for me. Yeah, I wanted to, yeah. Have you not read it? Could you just summarise it for me, please? I will summarise it for you. Basically, he's having a, a, a midlife breakdown. He's proper breakdown. He's a, uh, I think he's a philosopher. And he's, he's writing stuff as he goes on. And it, it jumps in and out of him travelling across America on his motorbike and into deep philosophical ideas of between the difference between this one concept that all life is about is the singular principle of quality. And it's a pyramid all the way up to this word quality. Now you have to read it. But there's one piece in it that I remembered forever. And it was the Zen part, which you've just mentioned. You have a problem with your his motorbike. And it's the Zen part is that the problem isn't in the engine. The problem is you're probably going to cross-thread the first screw that you try and undo from the plate that gets you inside to get to the next place. So problem number one is taking off this cover plate and then working to problem number two. But people who are too hasty are thinking of the problem in the engine and you see it all the time. Let me do it. Let me do it. And then the, the, the screws, screws cross-threaded. You can't get the plate off. Now you have a new problem of getting a drill or something mm. to get this thing off. So it is taking the first step 
and making sure that you attack that, which is exactly your principle of Zen about the fact of don't worry about binding or what the cover picture is going to be like because you haven't even written a word yet. So. Uh, it's almost similar to the one. I mean, I, I love all the productivity books and self-help genres and stuff like that, but the other one's Eat the Frog. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Well, Eat the Frog, I think it's by Brian Tracy, but it's the idea that just you do the hardest task first. Yeah. So the hardest task, and I suppose in that issue of getting the head off the bike or whatever, is just, well, probably getting started. Like, yeah. What, what's the impetus? And then that will then, I suppose, carry you through, really. But mm. yeah. What's it called? Eat the Frog? Yeah, Eat the Frog. I'll have a little look at it. I don't it's, like it's, only a very sm- it's a very small book. It's almost like a little pamphlet, almost. Yeah. Like. A small frog. I mean, to be fair, the, I've just told you what the book is about, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's the core message right there. So no one needs uh, to buy it. <laughs> well, it, when I was back in my uh, early, t- late teens, I suppose 18, 19, 20, I was uh, dating a lot of hippies back then. Right. Um, I lived in a camper van for 10 years, which is something else. So from the age of 16, when I left home, I pretty much lived in a camper van until I was 25. So and that was my life, and I was dating hippies. So on the hippie subject, they were all into loads and loads of self-help books. And um, so I read them all back then. But that was back then when it was quite a woo-woo genre. It was. It was like you're a, like so a, you a weirdo, but now it's like a accepted. And they all have the thing is they all have the same message to them. It's basically like slow down, enjoy life in the moment. Mm. Don't get it's just it's just the same message. You so know? you're into deep pack shop property. You you said the woo woo. I know that. Yeah, you're Sam, you're yeah. Sam Harris fan. Yep, big Sam Harris All fan. All that stuff. Yep. So you a uh, Christopher Hitchens fan? No, I don't know that name. No, that doesn't. Oh sound. wow, Here Sam we Harris and Christopher. Uh, well, how about Jordan Peterson's come onto the scene? Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling with Jordan Peterson? Yeah, he's good. Uh, Summers is a bit too deep for me sometimes. Mm. It is a lot of sort of. Fluff and big words, you know. Well, he, he, he's very good in his little department, but he stepped out of his field when he, he went up against Sam Harris and they've started to talk about I would urge a, a lot of people to actually try some of the Sam Harris stuff. Have you done the Waking Up app at all? No. So the, it's basically it's like meditation, right? But yeah. what it's really good for is just kind of understanding how your mind like works and just different triggers and things that come into it. Yeah. So when you're just sitting at home and you're listening to, say, like a train going past that you can't actually... I mean, we're getting so deep. Podcast <laughs> now. Can we get back out of this somehow? Okay, like, just, just go look at it. Yeah, it's great. Go, yeah, go yeah, back. Yeah, go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Dave, you don't know any of these other men. Oh, Christopher Hitchens, yeah, and yeah. his brother, uh, Peter Hitchens. Yeah, mm. they're polar opposites as well. Mm. Kind of, in, in yeah, person. but both interesting to listen to. Yes, Peter's more politics now, and I think uh, Christopher was more religious um, philosophy and stuff like that. Yeah, great concept. I was going to ask you one. When, when you was back years ago, where's that? Did you had a DVD and you tapped? What was it used to tap? And it used to reveal the next word. Very primitive to now. That would be the Alan Googe app. Was that it? We no, made. it wasn't an app. Long before apps. Yeah, it was an app. It was on oh. the PC. Yeah. Um, what did it go into now? Because I can't remember. We like done it on a, Windows. Like, like a CD disc, wasn't it? Yes. Well, back then with CDs, that was that was the thing, wasn't it? So, but Alan Googe was another one of our great programmers, and Alan was like a database expert, and he'd started doing the knowledge and started doing his stuff on databases. And I said, Alan, look, we. I honestly can't remember, and I'll have to ask Alan, it'd be good to have him on. I can't remember how we kind of got to the way of the software, but we did, and I think that was our earliest one. Following that became Alex White when we went, because it started to move away from PCs, and we went on to apps for iPads and everything else. And again, that was great. The flaw with that period was they were over-complicated for a beginner user. And mine and Alex's minds are completely different. Alex being data-minded wanted to have loads of data given back. Me being simplistic-minded, I want to go straight in and call the runs. I want to be bosh, straight in there and have it working. And I didn't care of it telling me, you know, Dean, you haven't called this particular run for six months or whatever. I didn't care about that because 
if I was on target, I'd be calling every single run every four days anyway, so it shouldn't really matter. <coughs> so th that one still, we still do that one, the app book, but that will just be superseded soon because I am working on a brand new one for the runs that is now, I think, mind-blowing. So that would be brilliant, the latest app. And we still need to keep updating the old ones. I think our points app is uh, amazing for pointing. I don't know how you did your points, but in the day, the way we had to do our points, there was those that did it by postcodes, which was a complete and utter terrible idea. And they just didn't understand it. But what they were thinking of it was, it's very simple to understand. Let's go to WC2 and point in a postcode. Yeah. That's fine. But when you get to WC2, you've got, um, let's hope I'm on my postcodes. If you've got a point in Shaftesbury Avenue and then you had a point down at the Strand and then you realise you had another point not so far away that's up near High Alban that you could have seen when you was at Shaftesbury Avenue, but you're now down at the Strand, so you're going back to there. Yeah, you're like EC4, EC3, and then mm -hmm. down to SW1 in you know, mm -hmm. at Charing Cross. You're on that border of those postcodes. They're quite intricate yes. there, yeah. And even if you're not on the... If, say, you're absolutely encapsulated within the postcode, you still didn't realise, oh, damn, there's this one that was next to that one. So you're still organisations needed. So you either do it before you go or, or you do it on the road, on the fly. Um, but my idea was I, I've seen the point on the sheets come out. I don't know it. We used to put it on a piece of paper and just pin it in the map in a piece of paper on the map you did that for all of them and then what you do is i live in mile end so i want to visit all the stuff on the white chapel road that i didn't know on the way in visit all the stuff in a cluster around shoreditch but i instantly i've got the best way to go because i just unpin the pins in exactly yeah. the correct route and then come back maybe via greenwich and come back through the blackwood tunnel so that i've i've managed to do all of that like a horseshoe so I've pointed more points than you're going to get by a postcode. I've pointed them in less time because they're all in the correct order to You've do it. You've got to go in any way to do it. Like, so you're en route. Yes. Uh, that's what I used to do, a similar thing. Yeah, you, but probably a bit more inefficient because I would type it out into a, I don't know, a, giant, a giant pack of notes. And it was organised by postcode, but then I could sort of put similar postcodes it, yeah. together and I'd be like, oh, I could go via that one and back out, yeah. You're doing the same thing in a maybe if you'd have been taught the pinning method, Sam, <laughs> <I told laughs> you'd, you'd have had it, had it easier. <laughs> But our app now does that. Yeah, okay, that's that's the okay. thing. That's just the efficiency of it. And then it just then means you can get down to the core work of studying. And if anything, well, not study less, but well, in theory, yes. But it's you do, well, some it's of these people do. More efficient with the time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the too many people do actually overstudy in the wrong direction or they study beyond their... They, they study into fatigue and don't realise they're not really learning. Like I said, it's that extra few percent afterwards that's just pointless. It's just marginal well, gains. It's not going to get you The there. brain's like a sponge. Well, it's like a sponge in terms of the absorption, yeah. but it's actually like the muscle part is actually the relationship as well yeah. because the relationship to the gym is exactly the same. You can work your muscles, but if you work them into pain, you are now being destructive. Your, your muscles won't. There was something done where people in the gym doing exercises are building their muscles lovely, but then if you took a person whose job was to lift loads of stuff, yeah. they were damaging their muscles because they were doing it all day long in terms of um, over. You, you mustn't over-exert right. yeah. your muscles. So they weren't super fit as a fitness person was who was going to the gym, like scaffolders or whatever. There was a, a correlation that it didn't work like you think it would work, that the person who's working the job, it's obviously very strong, but the fact of the repetition, uh, I had a friend who was a plasterer, all the shoulder muscles and everything else, all gone, shot the bits, because you can't do this kind of mm. movements for all these long time. But in the gym, you've got to rest. And the same with this. You've got to do your point-to-point. Point. And I used to teach one little thing. 
you might want to work more, but you've now reached fatigue. So you would now be better off not trying to think of the route, dot your start, dot the finish, draw the route on, sit back and call what you just saw. Now there's a memory of what you think the right answer is, but it was done with zero mental exertion. And so whenever you reach the fatigue stage, you're better off doing that because if you want to sit there and try and think of the roots, you're actually really hurting yourself now. Got to rest. The other thing as well, and whilst it's on the relation of books, a great book I would recommend is uh, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. You read that? No. Oh, good one, okay. Fantastic. Because when I was on the knowledge, I thought, you know what? Like, it obviously takes over your life and you're like, I need more time. So it's working full time. Yep. And I thought, maybe I can try and shortcut sleep. If I sleep, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this book came out at just the right time. I was like, well, not like shortcut it loads, but like you know, maybe six hours a night rather than eight hours a night. Yeah. Why, why do we need eight hours? And then you get people who brag that they only need six hours. Basically, after reading that book, no, the the very smallest percentile of the population that are probably lottery winners are people that can survive with six hours of sleep. On the mm. long term, every health study will tell you that. Good sleep. You will have bad health outcomes. Basically, if you could take a pill that would decrease your chances of Alzheimer's, cancers, whatever, sleep, basically. But there's a lot in there for memory consolidation. Yeah. It, they do very in-depth studies that basically say, like, um, I think it's like in with regards to cramming before a test and how much of it then gets retained. So if you crammed it on a Friday night, then went out on a bit of a bender, didn't get much sleep over the weekend, then sat a test on the Monday the differences between the people who then decided, right, I'm just going to sleep over that weekend. They both studied exactly the same amount, yep. the amount of recall on that Monday. Um, incredible. Better. Yeah, mm. incredible book. You mentioned Greenwich. Now, the, if, now the, the thing is today, I see they're going to move. Yes. Examiners. Now, to Greenwich. Why didn't they do that oh, really? when I was doing when the knowledge? Like, yeah. I could have walked there. Breaking news today, which when this podcast goes out, was probably been a month ago. So if you're watching this now, yes, it was a month ago that the Greenwich was announced. <laughs> Greenwich. Uh, yeah, uh, I imagine it's going to be near the Millennium Dome because there's some buildings there that TFL owns. I was going to say, TFL got property out that way. I'm sure they've got I'm one sure of those. Yeah, yeah, right next to, if I remember walking around there once, and I think right next to the Dome, there are some buildings, and I think one of them is a TFL office. Next to the yeah. Dome, it's full of new buildings. Full of, it's yeah. all North Greenwich there. It would have been handy. I, I do think... There's a lot of people, a lot more people doing the knowledge from West London. Um, and this is not going to be the easiest place to get to Greenwich from there. Jubilee Line. Jubilee, yeah. Jubilee oh, me. Silver Bullet, yeah. 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 Right away from North West London, Dark One Tube. Ah, That'd be better for me. I used to come from Stratford, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be what would, you, what would you know in Turkey about <laughs> no, no, the Jubilee no, the Line? <laughs> well, I've been on it. I've been on the Jubilee Line, but I have yeah. to get I've used to it. I've been on that underground system yeah. once yes. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like David Lloyd George. That was when you was a member of the Travellers Club, wasn't it? Can we just go through this pile of books that we've sort of... Well, listen. <laughs> I, you said you haven't read this particular one, so this is Mark's my sign. When did this come out? Is this a new one? It's recent, and um, he sent me a free copy, but, uh, Mark, if you watch it, I actually bought the copy because uh, I bought it before he sent me the free copy, but I still would have bought a copy because it's lovely to support these sort of things. Um, and I haven't managed to read it yet, so I can't really talk too much about it. But what I am going to do, Tom, is I'm going to give you the free copy oh, wow! so that you can have a book to read, and Thank I am so going to read that one. Because Dave, I can't give you a copy, right. but I will buy you one. Yeah, do that. Yeah, I'm going to get you a copy. I tell you what, Dave, you take my copy and I'll buy no, another one. No, don't be silly. Actually, no, I can't do that because I've got to take mine back with me to you Turkey that, to that read. One it. up for that camera yeah. now. Well, <laughs> so we, if you haven't read any books, read that one by Mike uh, uh, Syme. You reckon that's going to be Mark? Yeah. Forgive me, I don't know how to pronounce that. Syme, Sim, Syme. I'm going to go with Syme. And what's this book you got? Well, this is Tom's book, so that's another. Tom went for the um, the novel. 
I love these books when the children's stories come out. My kids say, read us a book and it's like this. But <laughs> actually, it's getting like this now. With full it's of a dragons. pamphlet. Maybe I should put slightly bigger text. What's the idea behind the book? It just it's purely wanted to do a book. Yeah, I mean, when I finished, I think it's one of those things, when you're on the knowledge, you're like, oh, I could do anything. Like, I could go learn a language, I'd go write yeah. a book. I sort of said it. And then once I finished knowledge, I was like, well, let's just do it then. And yeah. Because it was all sort of so fresh. I couldn't write it now because it's so long gone. So that was just kind of a distillation of all my thoughts what I was sort of going through and, you know, memory techniques and kind of that little bit I was saying about sleep, you know, yeah. all those kind of things I just came to the conclusion and realisation of to kind of get me through. So it's kind of a bit of a help Is guide. Is it from I memory guess. or did you keep a diary or did you have, did you have No, that was, that was probably only about six months after getting my badge. So I was... Mm. It's fresh. Yeah, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> the what pain. We, we touched upon this with the uh, ginger cabbie, didn't we, uh, Aaron, with the fact of studying, uh, working the day before. I never worked the day before. Yeah. So uh, you tell everybody, and they say, no, I have to work the day before because it'll be bad luck. I feel it'll be bad luck if I don't. Well, have you scored every time? No, you haven't. So this luck aspect <laughs> losing, doesn't make yeah. no sense, does it? So, yeah, the day before is, is a nothing day. You, you've learned everything you're supposed to learn. The chances of you learning one more thing that will be the one thing that you were asked... I've got to say, it did happen for me. I, I got, I got <laughs> a phone call on the morning when I was going up for an appearance. I got a phone call. and I'd never seen these points that came out. And uh, I quickly looked on the phone and went into an appearance and got asked them and scored. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. it does, you know, looking at the sheet and the points that are being asked and that, it, it's important, isn't it? Well, you're taking that on the day to see what's been there that well, day. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah what we didn't have that luxury. No. So I can't even speak well, as for you that move, I don't know if it still works that way. As you move along, you went up to 28, 21s, you got later in the day, didn't you? Yeah. So you, and you, yeah. You if you've got friends sitting here at Wizan who could send over quickly or whatever, or you got it via email yeah. or on the thing, you, you would get what was, say, like yeah. Mr. It was actually Mr. Hall that day for me. Yeah. He, uh, his points. And I got Mr. Hall and got the same points. And then you could do it. Yeah. But you it, probably would have pulled them points anyway. And it, was literally, anyway. It, was, it was like 30 minutes before the appearance. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> can, can I just shock you with the fact of how we used to get the points? Yeah. Once a week on a Thursday from the whole five-day sheets from the previous week. A carrier pigeon. Carrier yeah. pigeon. Yeah. Not, it was a, almost a carrier <laughs> pigeon. If they didn't arrive by post, so they, they would be posted out once a week from the schools, packed into packet email, uh, posted to you the old-fashioned way, and you had five-day sheets come on the Thursday, and now you worked your way through the five-day sheets to the following Thursday. Now I get people phoning me up, Dean, it's 10.30 and I haven't got today's, this morning's information come through and um, I've got an appearance in like 20 minutes and it's like, wow, you've <laughs> got it so much up to the minute and they're moaning. And I've, what I've realised over the years is the more you give, the more they want, you know. Yeah. Expectations, isn't it? Yeah, it just keeps going up and up and up. So we only briefly hit upon those uh, books there. So I think I'm going to be interested in Tom's work. Well, a few more I I mean anyone who's done the knowledge will, is interested in someone else's story, aren't they? Take I've, Tom's I've, book yeah. then and read yeah. Tom's book and bring it back to me because I've got a pile to get through. But what else is there? There's a, a to see puzzle book. Yeah, them sort of things don't interest me too much. But Alf Townsend's a great one. Yes, because yeah. Alf was great. Um, I think he's died now, hasn't he? Yes. Um, but Alf was great. And this is an old classic book and it's been in publication for quite a long time. I love the story of uh, Claude the Bastard in there. He <laughs> <laughs> was a guy who would come in and sweep up every job off, in fr just cut in front of everyone. And just <laughs> 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 it's just like legends like that. You know? uh, there were, it was a bit more legendary back then. <laughs> Things have changed so much now. What's this one? One Man's Journey, The Knowledge of London. 
which is probably this, the Knowledge Boy book is going to be this kind of story as well. Um, but it's by a cabman. So he's gone for anonymous or is there going to be a name somewhere else? Oh, Andy Cab... No, that ain't his name, surely. Andy Cabman? No. You reckon? No. Andy Cabman? No. I don't know. Maybe it's when I people use their so names yeah. to kind of like influence what their job's going to be. No, no, like your principal of of Wizard Knowledge School, your name's yeah. Dean, so that's, yeah. <laughs> it's like when people in... Yeah. True, true, true. See? True. Um, lots of people... Now you've hit on... You did ask about Wizan earlier, but lots of people generally always ask, how does the name Wizan? Oh, uh, yeah, I want to ask that. And the logo. I want to know about the logo as well. Oh, the logo. Yeah. The logo's a long story. Yeah. Um, the Wizan name is basically the, the amalgamation of my nickname with my wife's, first wife's name, uh, Annette. So her A-double-N is Annette. And Wiz is what all my friends from the age of 11, 12 would have called me. So people think it's some relationship with drugs. It wasn't. It was a relationship between the fact that when we was kids, we used to put on circus shows. So we'd do the stunt bikes on the chipper and a chopper, doing jumping over people in the playground and a magic show. And I did the magic show. So I, and I, I don't do magic anymore or anything. I'm never really any good at it. But they, they called me Wizard or Wiz from then on. Yeah. So that's where the name came. Um, and we just amalgamated it. And if you are really, if you are my friend and I meet my friends often, they don't know me as Dean. They mm. will still to this day call me Wiz. So that's how that's happened. And the logo? As a, so the logo, Tom, as you say, where did that come from? Well, basically the purple part is a street pigeon and the uh, part behind is half of the yin-yang and it just represents knowledge. So I put those two together and uh, we had a logo. And that's the truth, is it? That's the truth, Jim. <laughs> 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 but the thing about the logo and the thing about the name, which is more important, which is where my, again, my ex-wife came in. She was into marketing and all that sort of stuff, which I have no idea about. Um, and the, the Wizan idea is that every single thing to do with the knowledge, you, we didn't know which one was which. It was Knowledge College, Knowledge Point, Knowledge uh, for uh. All, Knowledge for London, Knowledge in Essex. So which school do you go to? I go to the one called Knowledge. Um but with our name, it was Wizan. So it was an absolute separation completely. And I didn't even want it to be called Wizan Knowledge School, Wizan Nothing. It was just Wizan. Um, and that kind of meant when you knew the name, you, you were separated and it was easy. You knew who you was with. So that was that. And the logo, in a sense, is similar. It is, once you know the logo... It, d it can't be confused with anybody else's. It's very distinctive. The colour is w w very garish and um, standout-ish. And I was always worried about the colours and I've, I've started to like them now. But when I did it, I thought, well, I'll just do it. And I'm very lazy. I always kind of go with the first thing that comes out. I, when I'm doing the editing, that's it, first edit. I ain't going back through this. It's hours work to do that. Minimum viable product. Yeah. I am super, super lazy in that sense. Um, in the other senses... I get very creative and I get the idea and then I develop the idea and I make the first element of that idea and then I realise I've got to repeat the idea 640 times and I think, oh, this is where I wish I had staff. Somewhere. 640 times sounds like a very relevant number. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give some like, shout-outs to some of the different yes. names here. So, so we've got, got that one is lovely. This, uh, this, you said this was great. No, I haven't read this one. Oh, you said there was... Oh. What was the one you said? One that's not in here. Guy. Yeah, I'll find out. There's one in here. It's by a cab driver called Sean Farrell. 
and it's yep. the abstracts of black cab law yep. the history of the london cab driver and i found that amazing because i think he's got a uh, his degree within history background yep. but he's gone through a lot of deep diving in the archives of like stuff like 19th century back before i suppose we had the knowledge of probably early 19th century of like when cab drivers would just give up you know the reins of the horses to you know, kids and let kids like drive the cabs oh, wow. and they get drunk and there'd be crashes everywhere <laughs> and there'd be cab drivers in court for everything. Yeah. Just, it's amazing how we have a taxi service. Like when you go back and yeah. look at that book. So that, uh, I will put that on the screen with the picture of it because yeah. I will find that one because um, that really does interest me. That is one I would definitely read. It's obviously going to have the stuff about the bale of hay and the uh, weeing up the back wheel. But all those are like, Sort of piffs, right? Think so? I don't yeah. think they were. The so bale of hay. The bale of hay wasn't. Oh, yeah, the, the, the law now is. Cause people say it's still a law now, isn't it? But yeah. that's now been like repealed. Right. It doesn't exist now. But you could, you know, you could have a wee up the back wheel. Yeah, the uh, offside rear. Oh, I didn't really remember there was yeah. a specific <laughs> side. The history of the knowledge of London. Yes, uh, I think he's late now as well, Philip Warren. Yes, I think he's part of the. Um, Let's do the formation of the um, Worshipful Company of Hackney Carriage Drivers. Yeah. I believe he was, but that's quite a good one. There's lots of different... That's got different numbers of people who are on the knowledge of different years in it. That's quite a big historical... A data set. Yep. This one I'm, in, I'm interested to read because this is going to be... Uh, everyone's entitled... Is entitled... I'm reading this in reflection. That's why I'm struggling. <laughs> Everyone is entitled to my... But obviously my... Something's crossed out. My opinion, yeah. Opinion, my opinion. Yeah. yeah. David Stars. So he's got Cabby Blog, so it's quite a big blog online. Yep. Uh, great guy, David. Um, that's also, a, yeah, a really great book. Y- have you read that one? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, I'm I, such I, a geek. Sorry. I love all this. I'm just such a busman's holiday. Well, like. I only got back into this recently. Before you did your video of the uh, things, I actually had the idea I'll do a book review. And I went online and I just bought every current book because I used to have all, when I was on the knowledge 26 years ago, I had every book that was relevant then, which are not relevant now. So we would have um, the book of blue plaques. Which I don't know if it's still published because it doesn't. I think there's editions of it, but like, yeah. Back then, it was an essential kit because we was asked for blue plaques, but loads yeah. of them. Uh, the best one though, which was that once Mister Wilkin got his hand on it, became points, which was the one hundred and one oddities, London oddities. Mm. It had one hundred and one things of London, which has all the the two cherubs on the phone, the second St Paul's Cathedral, the mouse eating cheese, um, the smallest house. The narrowest house. Do you know those? The smallest house on Bayswater Road, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. What about, you know the narrowest? I know that, that is the narrowest, isn't it? That's the one that's this way. Then there's another one that the full frontal of the house. Oh, you're the narrow uh, by um, Furlow Square. Ennismore Gardens. We're nearby. I actually think <coughs> I'd have to check the map for the exact it's address. Square because it's where the Met Line <coughs> comes. Not the Met Line, is it? It would be the district circle line goes into South Kensington underneath there to. No, this backs onto one of the universities. You can look in the window of this house. Yeah. And is it the one that comes into like one? a corner like that? Like it, it just goes really thin to a corner. Maybe we're thinking of different It houses. does. No, no, it does go to very yeah. thin. It's about the width of this table. And you can fit just about a single bed in the width. And there is in the window, you look in, there's a single bed oh. at the end of the house. Um, and I'm sorry, it is Ennismore Gardens, but not quite Ennismore Gardens, which means, you know, you furlough square, we're kind of in the same area for two different things. Mm. Um, and I forgot an exact address. Anyway, but add all those kind of crazy things you can put it up I'll, I'll take a picture on google street because i can find it on google street and I, I think i've put it up again in in the past this that one's one. quite good as well black cab wisdom yep um this is basically someone who's collected like a lot of like thoughts and insights from can we see on that book yeah 
that cab wisdom. Like people that have they've had in the back of the cab and they've like had like passing comments, you know, philosophical sort of quotes and stuff that would make like a good I don't know, mm. pithy quote to put in a book. Hence this book. Tom, thank you for coming along. Brilliant thank you, mate. To see yeah. you again. It's really always a pleasure to have you and come back anytime. Dave, you're becoming my regular sidekick. Um Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Probably. So, no, no, I think you've got an <laughs> absolute voice for radio, which is brilliant. Yes, a face for radio, yes, you mean? Yes, you've got a face <laughs> as well. So, thank you, Dave, for popping along. And, um, yeah, well, we could talk for hours.